Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 127 for December 12, 2015. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. You can also find Klezmer Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Blast.fm, and Instagram. I also invite you to follow the monthly Klezmer Podcast playlist on Spotify. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Sasha Margolis of the band Big Galoot in New York City. The band has released their first album, self-titled Big Galoot. It has a wide variety of music on it, from originals to standards. We'll hear a track from the album a little bit later. But right now, here's my interview with Sasha Margolis of the Big Galoot. This was recorded on October 29th, 2015. Hi, this is Keith with Klezmer Podcast, and today I'm in Central Park in New York City, visiting with Sasha Margolis from Big Galoot. Sasha, welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's a perfect day in New York City in late October, hard to believe. I am so delighted. I thought I thought winter was here and that was it, and all of a sudden, this is like a perfect practically a summer day it's the closer miracle of uh close to halloween <laughs> <laughs> i think we're gonna have eight days of, of summer now eight, eight, eight days of halloween maybe um you sent me recently your your uh big loot self-titled uh new album is that your uh debut album that's the first album the group has done yeah that's our first we uh we recorded it uh, in very different weather from this, uh, some incredibly cold days in December of 2013, and it took a little while to get it ready to go, but it's here now, and uh, yeah. Well, before we get into the music itself, tell me how um, you got your band together, where the members are from, and a little bit about your musical background, and how you came to start playing Jewish music. So, um, there's a place called... Uh, the Glimmerglass Festival near Cooperstown in upstate New York. Uh, there's, it's an opera festival that runs for most of the summer, and all of us in the band are either members of the opera orchestra there or married to members of the <laughs> orchestra there. And we discovered that we had uh, this common history of experience playing klezmer music and love for both klezmer music and uh really wide variety of music so we tried playing just a couple tunes together and we discovered that we loved playing together and we loved sharing this music and the audiences seemed to like it too so then uh where did you get your material from you've got some original stuff uh, i like your um real story of carmen that's that's really a, a very cute idea. What, 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 uh, what's your material? So, um, to go back and try and give a better answer to your previous question, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we all have different backgrounds. Robin, our clarinet player, her father was Harold Seletsky, known as the Prez of Klez. She grew up um, hearing a lot of Klezmer, and she had a band called the Catskill Klezmorum for years. Um, she, so she's both a really virtuosic 
kind of perfect and exciting clarinet player and also has this long history of klezmer. I, um, my dad is a pianist, both classical and jazz, and he also teaches Yiddish. He taught all of these things, uh, mostly classical piano, but also jazz and, and Yiddish at Oberlin College. And so when I was a kid, he got really excited about, you know, he was always improvi- uh, interested in improvised music and Jewish stuff. And so klezmer was a real natural for him to get interested in. And my sister and I, when we were uh, really pretty young, started playing stuff from oh, the Ruth Rubin Yiddish songbook and the New York Times songbook and things we heard on albums from the Klezmorum and the Klezmer Conservatory Band. Klezmora was the first group I ever heard. Yeah, they. I think that was the Klezmer sound that first got into my ear. Um, Mark, our accordion player, is he's a great jazz pianist. He's a great recording engineer. He's played punk and Zydeco and I don't know what all. And he played a lot of Klezmer in Texas um, in the past. And... Um, Michael, who plays some pretty unusual klezmer instruments in our band, he plays the theorbo, which is a really picturesque, gigantic member of the lute family, generally used for Renaissance and Baroque music. And he also plays the Baroque guitar, he's for the same kind of stuff. He has a background in rock and jazz, but spends most of his time kind of traveling all over the world playing Renaissance and Baroque music. Um, He did not have a klezmer background before we started doing this, Uh, nor did Rich, our bass player, who also just has a really wide variety of musical experiences. He plays rock. He he is mainly a really amazing classical uh, bass player in the New York area. So that's the background. Now, as for our material, Robin writes a lot of what I think are great klezmer originals. And as we play longer and longer, we try mostly when we do klezmer music, which is half to a third of what we do, we try and mostly do originals. Um, and the Carmen song I wrote, um, we always give a concert every year in that glimmer glass area and since we're always playing operas it always seems <laughs> fun to write a, a parody song on one of the operas and and that's how so it's mickey cat style uh... yeah so that's how the carmen song <clears throat> came to be that was probably the most successful spoof because everybody knows that tune <laughs> every opera lover lover certainly um great then uh Explain to me about how you got um, the name of your band. Um, you had an interesting story about that. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the series of things I like to tell uh, the audiences during concerts. During uh, somewhere during our first tune that we're playing, we start vamping and. Um, Thank you. Background for you. So we actually have three reasons for our name. Um, 
one is, um, you know, there's that expression, hey, you big galoot. Um, and a galoot is kind of a dumb, oafish man. And uh, we definitely have at least one or maybe several of those in the group, we always like to say. There, there may be some... some. It's a New York term of endearment. Right? <laughs> there may be some surreptitious pointing at me from behind when, when I'm saying this. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, the second thing is um, that galut, of course, is the Hebrew word for diaspora. And we love so much music from so many places in the Jewish diaspora that our ambition is to just pack in as many as many uh, times and places of the diaspora as possible into one concert. And the third reason is that um, Michael, I'm, I was mentioning that instrument, the Theorbo, which everybody is always instantly curious about when they see it, because it's got a neck like a giraffe, and everybody comes up to him at intermission and they ask about it. But anyway, uh, when Michael joined the band... He was living in Milan in Italy. He's now a little closer in Canada, which is <laughs> a good thing for us. But he he uh, he tells us that if you go up to somebody on the street in Italy and you ask them, what's a Theorbo? They're going to tell you, it's a big galoot. So uh, that's the... Some, sometimes audiences think that's a really terrible joke, and sometimes they think it's all right. But that's where the parenthetical E in our name comes from. All right. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you were just mentioning about uh, musical influences uh, beyond just the uh, particularly Jewish music. And I noticed some other influences uh, in some of the songs on your album, some maybe, I don't know, uh, Turkish or Balkan influences there. Uh, talk about, a little bit about that. Yeah. We have a few mm. tunes that we like to play that are... To be totally honest, we don't know where they come from, <laughs> um, but we know that we love them, and they're exciting, and, and they're a great change of pace. You know, we play a couple klezmer numbers and then do one of those, and it's it's nice to get into that, that very different flavor. And that's kind of what we like to do throughout our concerts. Um, I think I may be a particularly bad concert goer, but... What usually happens to me in a concert is I start out and I think, oh, this is great, this is interesting, I like this kind of music I haven't heard before. And then about 20 minutes later, I think, eh, this kind of sounds the same as the other stuff, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit bored. So I may have a particularly short attention span, but um, we sort of live in fear that anybody might experience a moment of boredom during our concerts. So we try and um, keep changing the style of what we're doing. And I think, I hope, that um, continually changing the styles sets off each style and and it's easier to appreciate it for what it is. I, I think it sets each style in a, a really nice contrast. Wow, so you're playing different styles, you're playing regular klezmer with other influences built into it. 
you're writing original stuff. You're doing things like <clears throat> the real Carmen. That's a lot, of, a lot of different things you're up to. <clears throat> yeah, and now we and we also always program um, something by Salamone Rossi, who was a Jewish Italian composer around the year 1600, right, right at the uh, juncture of the Renaissance and Baroque periods. And because we have Michael and his fantastic The Orbo, we can really play music like that, and it's it's so interesting. Um, Klezmer music has its ornaments, and Baroque music, like the music by Rossi, has its ornaments. And they both sort of have the same function. They both are ways to get from one note to another as expressively as possible, or to signal, okay, here's the big ending. They, But they have such a starkly different emotional flavor, um, even though they're both... You know, Jewish in some way. They they are both music of Jewish people. Um, they are both really similar and really different. That might seem obvious, but it's it's nice to actually experience that. And then we play other classical music too. We play some music by Mahler. We have a reduction of some music written for a huge orchestra by Mahler, and it's some of it has a real klezmer music flavor. So seems natural for us to do. We play some music by a non-Jewish Russian composer, Mussorgsky, which depicts Jews, and it's not clear whether it's a favorable depiction or not, but we find it interesting to do that, and then we have a little... The pictures at a Jewish exhibition? Yeah, it's it's one of the pictures at an exhibition. It's called, um, it's known by various names, like it's sometimes called Samuel Goldenberg and Schmoyla. It's sometimes called Two Jews, One Rich, One Poor. Right. And then right. we have a little parody piece. It's not with words like the Carmen piece, but we have a parody piece based on themes from that Mussorgsky piece to show that we're not sure we approve of his depictions <laughs> of Jews. <laughs> wow, interesting stuff. Um, so what sort of... Uh performances do you give uh you do concerts you do uh events uh you do things around town or um what's do you touring what, what sorts of things are you doing um so we do we've played at a variety of places we've played on some chamber music series um even as far away as honolulu we've played a couple of times on their chamber music series We've played at some colleges like Stanford and Sonoma State. We just played at last month. We've played at Oberlin, and we did something for Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. We've played at a lot of um, temples, synagogues, and JCCs. We've played quite a bit in upstate New York since um, that's where we got started, and that's where we are all in the same place the most. <laughs> um, and now, just for reference, for people that might not be familiar with New York, everything outside of New York City is upstate New York, right? That's probably true. I'm 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 not a native New Yorker, so I don't think I'm allowed to deliver an authoritative opinion on that, but that sounds about right. Um, one of the things we have coming up that we're really excited about is we're playing at the um, National Yiddish Book Center. They are having a, a seminar weekend on... Um, the Yiddish author um, Peretz, 
And one of the things we have been performing lately, we collaborated with my dad on creating a a theatrical piece of sorts. Um, it's a text in verse in English based on the Yiddish poem Monish by Peretz. And it is a musical setting of, of that text. So um, that's a lot of fun, and it's sort of a, another new avenue for us. And we're really excited to get to do it for a bunch of Peretz experts. <laughs> wow. So uh, is that a collaborative effort, or did you come, uh, write most of that yourself, or, or who in the band uh, came up with that? Um, well... We all thought it would be a good idea. I actually um, wrote the text. And then my dad wrote the music. Um, and there's a little room for improvisation, but it, it's basically a collaboration between me and my dad. And the band was kind enough to uh, go along with it. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. Great. Well, that sounds exciting. Um so you've got your, uh, your album out, self-titled Big Galoot. You have another recording uh, in the works or something you're planning for for the future? Yeah. Well, we'd like to record this Monish piece, and we we need to write a few more Klezmer originals, and then I think we'll have enough for another album with some of this classical stuff I described and we a, a variety of other parodies and and serious things yeah great um anything else you wanted to mention that i didn't ask you about yet um no just uh i would like to convey how much we all love playing together and love the stuff that we do (laughs) as as we all do that always have a love for for klezmer in all its forms um, if people want to find out more about Big Galoot and uh, buy your album or download the tracks, where, where can they find more information? So we have a website, which is just Big Galoot, B-I-G-G-A-L-U-T-E dot com. We have a Facebook page that is, I believe, facebook.com slash Big Galoot, same spelling with the two Gs. The album is available on you know, Amazon and iTunes and all of those kinds of places, both as a download and as a, a physical CD. Um, or the best way is to catch us in concert, and uh, we can personally uh, hand you a CD. <laughs> and uh, your uh, concert schedule is posted somewhere? Yeah, we, we try and keep that fairly current on our website. Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Sasha Margolis from The Big Galoot in uh, New York City. Thanks so much for uh, schlepping over to the city in (laughs) Central Park to meet me today and and spending a few minutes. Really appreciate it. It's really fun talking with you, and I'm so glad to be dragged out to Central Park today.
this is Alicia Spiegels, and you're listening to klezmerpodcast.com. All right, I'm back. That was my interview with Sasha Margolis of the band Bigalute. And we heard the track Wallachian Appalachian Scratchin from the self-titled album Bigalute. I'd like to thank Sasha for appearing with me on the podcast and for providing the track for us to listen to. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear or have your music played on the podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. The music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's it for Klezmer Podcast 127. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now.